You're listening to the All Things Geekery podcast. This is episode seven of season four, and this one's called It's Unreal. I'm your host, Detached. Hey, guys, and I'm Victus. Well, guys, we want to welcome you back to the show. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. We hope you guys are all doing well wherever you are. If you're new around here, be sure to subscribe, share, and we hope you guys enjoy the show. In this episode, we're going to talk games from the first Xbox 2020 live stream to PlayStation's Ghost of Tsushima announcement. Next, we'll discuss our thoughts on the modern remake movie release of our favorite mystery solving dog and his friend, Scooby Dooby Doo. We wrap up this episode with our thoughts on Epic Games' tech demo of Unreal Engine 5. Mm. Hence the title, It's Unreal. And you have nobody, nobody, no idea how many times I've used that joke already <laughs> describing the tech demo. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing looking though. It was. It wasn't like I want to talk about it right now, but we'll, we'll hold that off till the yeah. end. Yeah, we'll hold As off. we talk about what we've been doing since the last podcast, so Detached, we'll start with you this time. Huh. Well, let's see what we've been doing. I've been playing Lodro. Lodro? <laughs> Lodro. Uh, not as much, but I do have the <laughs> first capped tune. Nice. Uh, yeah. Been doing a little raids here and there. Outside of that, I've got some new projects around the house I've been starting it. A few woodworking projects, nothing big. That's pretty much uh, pretty much what I've been doing this week. Watching movies you, with the family. Uh, didn't you get into one of the Assassin's Creed games? Yeah, I just started. So just started. Okay. All you one hundred and ten hours or whatever you played in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you said the story was really good. So kind of kind of wanted to get back into it and try it again. I I started it. But I only put about two hours into the game. I had other things I was doing, so I never went back and finished it. So I uh, started fresh, started playing through. So I'm only going to play it about once a week. Uh, I don't want to finish the story. Yeah, and I can say Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It, it's one of those games that the story matches to the develop or the story uh, scale matches to the development of you as a character. All throughout cool. the game, in my opinion. So, you know, start out slow. It's just about you and your local place. And then, you know, you progress on there, the bigger narrative and the bigger story and what's to be impacted. And but that also goes along with how much better you become as an RPG character. So, yeah, it's cool. Look forward to hear it once you get that. There's, there's some pretty moments, pretty big moments in there. Like, like I felt like I was back in Mass Effect making decisions. Mm. That is one thing I do like about it is because they give you the ch- uh, the chance to make a choice. Mm-hmm. So I do like that aspect in games. I really very, very much enjoyed that. And hopefully we'll continue to see stuff like that. And then yeah. they continue that. Because I, I personally, I like it. I like storytelling that I get to make my decision. Albeit I may have cheated and read ahead, figure out which ones were good endings. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I probably yes, I did. Um, oh, you can actually have multiple different endings in that game. So, yeah, that's cool. I actually <laughs> finished up a game to 
day. It was uh, another story game. Uh, it was a quick playthrough, maybe six and a half hours total of a story. It was uh, it was well worth the quick playthrough. It was an interesting story, kind of a suspense thriller. And as you play this uh, scholar, who I think has Norwegian heritage, he's from America, but I think he has parents or something that was from Norway. So everything is based in Norway, and it's a little small fishing community that you get to be a part of. It was uh, it was well worth the the playthrough. Good stuff. Nice. Nice. So on my side, a um, couple things. I actually went through that. Now that I got my Xbox Pass, Game Pass um, synced with uh, my computer, and I now have it added to my Galaxy Launcher, which for you out there, I highly recommend anybody out there, go check out GOG Galaxy 2.0 Launcher. It's so good. Uh, greatest invention since sliced cheese for computers and game management because <laughs> it combines every launcher into one <laughs> yeah. sliced cheese. I think that's going to be the title of this episode it's no longer sliced unreal cheese. it's sliced cheese <laughs> <laughs> the, yes, the cousin to sliced bread yes it's an amazing launcher because I, I have not opened my epic my origin my steam None of my other games or launchers, except for to check out the stores in them. But when I want to play a game, I'm opening up my GOG launcher and I'm looking at the games I have installed across the platforms from Bethesda's to all of them. Yeah, all of them. Um, The one I've yet to integrate or figure out how to get in there is Java Edition Minecraft. Uh, Still working on that one. But so that that edition of Minecraft that you got, it's not the PC version. Right. Well, technically, there is two. There's the Java edition, which was what Mojang originally created. Right. And has continually been updated. And and for a while, there was the edition to get the updates first. But um, since Microsoft bought uh, Minecraft, they've slowly been catching up, and they actually created a separate version. That's the play with any one version so you okay. can if you're on that version you can play on a switch you can play on a playstation you can play and you guys can all play together a pc uh there's it's a slightly it's a different back-end code it's based around um what we originally saw on xbox because uh, that one actually is also a different version because they changed it to that one um and because that was part of microsoft that one automatically integrated but because the Java one is, is separate, its own entity for anybody that plays one, uh, you, you know, what I'm talking about because it has its own launcher. Mm. Um, still getting that one put in there and there's slight differences um, right now. Uh, they've updated to where both Minecraft Windows, Windows 10 version, what they call it. Or uh, Java edition are now updated at the same rate. So, that's cool. Yep. Um, trying to figure out how to. I would like to get over to the Windows 10 version, mostly because it's a little bit better optimized for how your system can handle it. 
and making sure that resources get are dedicated appropriately. But what I was getting at is now that I've added Xbox Pass, I have access to a game that I uh, that I really love the original version on. It's probably the best RTS I've ever played on console. I'm now playing the sequel on PC, Halo Wars 2. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally wow. getting around to playing it. Um, just finished it today. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I've I can definitely tell you don't have the you don't have the kind of mass expansion controls like you would expect from a PC RTS, but that's because it was built for console usage. Mm. Uh, with that said, it looks gorgeous. I really, I enjoyed it. Um, it's not, it's not a phenomenal RTS. I will, I will say that it was a fun RTS and like, mainly cause I like Halo is why right. I, uh, you know, play it and enjoy it. Nothing wrong with just being fun. Yeah. Just being fun. It was a fun, fun RTS. Um, actually still reading through the Halo book Glasslands. Um, it takes place between Halo's three and four, the storyline of the rest of the Spartan, Dr. Catherine Halsey, how she, uh, survives reach and, um, a lot of the story that falls in there. So basically nice. also tells you how they got the technology to build the USN, UNSC Infinity, which is the ship you see in Halo 4 and 5. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, there's a whole trilogy dedicated to this story that I'm reading right now, and I'm on book one. But Nice. Besides that, that's what I've been up to. Oh, um, speaking of reading, you just reminded me. I uh -oh. started uh, plotting out and doing just a little bit of writing on the uh, short story companions. Oh, uh, yeah. Novel series. Okay. Yeah. So, so, are you working on them multiple simultaneously, or are you just hitting one, getting it done, and moving on? Uh, I, I really don't have a set system in place. Okay. My brain, my, I don't know, my brain is kind of funky when it comes to writing. So, there are days where I sit down and I don't plot anything out, I just write, and what comes out will. Is what comes out. And then there's other days where I sit down to write and I can't write a darn word. So I go back to the books and I start <laughs> plotting things. And I, I'm a sticky note freak. So I have different colored, I have a sticky note system. So different topics and plots in the book are a specific color of sticky note. So I have a big, uh, probably four foot by eight foot board and it's got my plot on it of books one through four and then it's got sticky notes that kind of follow major and minor plot series you said that the only thing i could think of was like walking to your office and there's just this double curtain hanging there <laughs> pull the pull the cord it parts and there's just sticky notes <laughs> pretty, pretty everywhere much. yeah pretty much lines going across like you're doing an investigation with your story yep that's about what yeah. I, and I'll send you some pictures of it and let you see it. I actually wrote a, <laughs> I, I wrote a massive blog post for uh, blogist about a year and a half ago. Uh, and just kind of jotted out my process and took a picture of the board and let people see what it looked like. Um, and I got tons of comments that are like, how in the world do you keep track of all the colors? And 
I've got a little chart on the side of the board that shows the color a sticky note and what it's for. <laughs> My thought process needs a legend. That's yes, exactly what it is. That's what you get. The, yeah, your thought process needs a legend for it. Yep, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> so, kind of doing the same thing with uh, these uh, these little short stories. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, enough about that. Let's talk about enough me. about what we've been doing. Now we talk games. The exciting part of this podcast. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I'll I'll start this one off. I had the honor of co-streaming the Xbox or uh, co-stream with Kid Lee and covering the Xbox 2020 um, first part of their live stream because they were they were calling it. Uh, you know, we, we kind of expected to be the Xbox insider, but they're kind of rebranding it because they're falling in step with uh, what we talked about last podcast, which was the. The summer game fest, right. uh, where it's just rolling announcements of different aspects of games, entertainment over the next three months. And Xbox is now called their announcements, which are they've already planned it out. Uh, this one and another one's going to be in July. Uh, Xbox 2020. Um, and it's not just the year it's 20 slash 20. So clear vision 2020. Yeah. With this one that we covered was third party games. Um, and I have to say there, uh, besides Valhalla, which is what we were looking forward to. I didn't recognize, I mean, a lot of them were new to me. I didn't know any of them were on their way at all. So I was quite impressed with the new slate of games coming from developers that I didn't know about. And, and there were some I did. Like I, I had heard of Deep Silver out there. There's one I, I remember or Paradox also has one that they're um, announced. But yeah, Deep Silver know, was the only one it? I knew of. Um, what did, what did, what, was, what was your feel of the entire event itself let's start with that well i think i think there's always a little bit of kind of going into an event like this especially for a brand new system that's coming out i try not to get too hyped up about it but i was pretty excited because it wasn't the standard you didn't have all the same big triple a games you didn't have the same routine that we usually see during these events and like you said it was a kind of a fresh slate brand new games most of them i had never even heard of uh, and some of them were pretty beautiful looking so oh yeah uh there was only a couple out of the the group that i saw that didn't really excite me but uh for the most part i thought the i thought the whole experience was pretty good I thought they did a good job, yeah. but the way they talked about things, brought it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a nice uh, change of pace. Yeah, I, I think one one thing that kind of rubbed people the wrong way, and it was one of those they tiptoed the line very <laughs> carefully was yeah. um, people's expectations of gameplay. Yeah, um, there was only one game that really really messed up the the PR on that. Uh, but Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yep. 
Uh, well, the Xbox rest of already, them, though, Xbox every single one was like an in-game right? engine. Go ahead. I said Xbox has already come back out and said something about that, right? Uh, I think actually it was Ubisoft. Was that it came Ubisoft out directly? Okay. Yeah, because they were the one that was hyping up. They're like, gameplay, you know, about Valhalla, check it out. Xbox didn't help because they were just kind of like, okay, yeah, they're going to do that. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Um, so they had to kind of circle back around and say, okay, I get it. Yep. It wasn't, wasn't gameplay of what you're expecting because they actually used the words. None of, you know, uh, all the other announcers didn't, didn't actually use that. And, right. but what we saw for just, you take it with, with what you think of, you take know, with a grain of salt in-game trailers, in-game engine trailers, because we've been disappointed by those before. Right. <clears throat> Anthem. Because um, <laughs> that was an in-game trailer we saw at E3 that got us all hyped up about it. Uh, they, uh, the games look gorgeous. There was a couple of them, like the one to start off the bat was the Bright Memory Infinite, hmm. which personally was my go back to it's just it was so wild gorgeous <laughs> environment itself i mean one moment you're you're shooting or walking along walls and then you're shooting somebody and next moment you're fighting a knight with a shield and a sword <laughs> you yeah. have a gun but he has a short sword shield and then you're driving a car so this is the one game out of all of them that i really just didn't even care about because, <laughs> uh, it was too much Honestly, it was yeah. like nothing against the developers because it was beautiful. They did a fantastic job with it, but uh, it has this Call of Duty feel, and I hate the Call of Duty games. I can so, see that. I can see where you're coming with that. The, the Call of Duty movement, the look, and then all of a sudden, the DeLorean from Back to the Future came out of nowhere. And she's or driving a car this that car. Like it, probably steampunkish. Yeah. Yeah, very punkish looking. But also, then, like you said, there's this dude with a shield and a sword, and she's got a grappling hook on her hand. I, I was very confused. Like, what era are we from? Are we jumping time frames? What are we doing? Yeah. Because, you know, the, it revealed absolutely nothing about the storyline or anything. I actually had to read a recap about the game that somebody dug up from the website or something that, you know, talks about it being set in the future space phenomenon, um, combining of two worlds. So, uh, it'll, it kept my interest the most because it was so wild. Yeah. But uh, what they did though, in the environment was pretty fantastic. I mean, it looked great. I think they were really hyping up that a lot of these games would take, take uh, advantage of the new ray tracing technology that's come along. So they're trying to show off that more and more. Yeah. I think that one was confirmed for that one. Oh, um, for sure. And you can almost tell it as well. Yeah, I think um, the two games for me out of everything that they showed, uh, the first one that really stood out mainly just because of the visual aspect was the 1930s tropical adventure game the call of the sea oh yeah oh my gosh yeah. when that came up on screen the vivid colors of this game are mind-blowing and the yeah. artistic style was extremely unique 
it had a cartoon feel, but it also wasn't cartoon. My brain was very confused while I was watching it, but it was like, oh my God, I have to play this game. Well, like, I, I, think, I think to an art style of like, what if Sea of Thieves art style was copied over and used in like a third person or a first person like that one kind of RPG exploration game? Right. I'd be all over that. That was the vibe I was getting from this Call of the Sea. Yeah, it kind of had that look. And I was loving it. Well, hopefully it does better than Sea of Thieves did. Because I didn't like that game oh. at all. <laughs> it's it's doing pretty good recently after they you know they they went the whole um um no man's sky route where it took a little bit took a little bit to get the wheels going and getting the right content in there but yeah. uh um, yeah, yes good hopefully it doesn't go that route yeah that one was really pretty uh call of the sea and the second one that really grabbed my attention and i think just the whole idea of the story they didn't really share a whole lot of the story, but it was chorus. Chorus looked friggin' amazing. Yeah, it was a RPG space shooter. Yes. Oh my gosh. That brought me back to Star Fox all day. Like, give me yeah. Star Fox. People were saying that, or they got real like Starfighter vibes with it from yes. you know yeah. the X Wing, TIE Fighter and X Wing, X Wing TIE Fighter. So um, there was a there was an old PC game back in the day and it was a kind of an RPG. The name has completely left me. It was a trilogy though. And it was so good. I spent so many hours playing that when I was a young teenager and it kind of had that vibe or reminded me of it anyways, just beautiful graphics. And I think the big thing was just kind of that, mystery of a story that they were trying to tell it really grabbed my attention yeah and just the potential of what they're trying to pull off of apparently your ship's sentient um yeah. along in a, and you play your character so what story aspects come into that and just like pulling off an rpg space shooter was like okay uh, it looks good i like a good space shooter and if i get to upgrade or plan out or make decisions whatever it may be i'll keep it on it yeah that'll be one i'll be watching uh the other two that they previewed it's not that i didn't like them or they didn't catch my attention i, I just don't know if i'd want to play them yet uh the ascent looked really good of course it was kind of a top uh top view rpg ish and then the medium really reminded me of Silent Hill. Yep. Which actually, the composer of Silent Hill is making the music for that game. Okay, that's probably why I went, yeah, this is Silent Hill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, because of that, and because in these types of games, the music is so critical into getting the suspense, the emotion just right, that type of game, it's going to be a success. Pending they just don't utterly flop on the storytelling, uh, it, it's going to be a good game. I, I'm, not, I'm not one for, for that horror-ish type story game, but I may very well check out the medium. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely one that I like. As far as the story, I think the story will be good. But like you, I'm not a big horror game fan. I never have really played a lot of them. Um, I enjoy a horror movie, but not really a horror game. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. there was there were several other. I mean, we can mention here uh, for those racing games out there. You had the mud simulator that was Dirt Five. <laughs> yeah, that uh, one looked good. <laughs> that mud looks so good. It looked really uh, funny. I, I think. Yep. Uh, I think the car games look beautiful. The the new engines that they're going to be pushing with those things are uh, are going to be pretty sick. Yep. Yeah, they uh, and I was I was informed of this regarding the dirt kind of series. They're well renowned about their physics in regarding to car driving and right. and integration and with with dirt driving. So uh, for those out there, I'm excited because I know you guys are excited to get the next dirt game. Um, there was a football game, but we just kind of skip over that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Scarlet Nexus. Um, Bandai Namco game. So you kind of, you know, it's very, very uh, bright and overwhelming anime graphics uh, about you. And there's fight battles uh, in the city. So typical anime I game. I just did a horrible job of describing that. But anime, <laughs> yeah. really overwhelming, um, you know, graphics bright colors uh so yeah that's that's scarlet over accentuated everything yeah over yes yep (laughs) so kind of think battle there's technology uh there's a kind of very futuristic technology where sometimes you're fighting robots you're kind of this cyber ninja uh of the cyber ninja core final fantasy ripoff sure yeah um so and then you had scorn I don't I just I don't even know what to think of that one. Um uh, you guys hear it? you could go watch the trailer. Apparently there was also some kind of gameplay out in what? two years ago, E3. There was or, gameplay from that game? Uh two years ago. Yes. What in the world? I think. The trailer was just my brain was so confused. I didn't uh it was about two years ago. Yeah, I think we're so, looking about maybe a year. The trailer that they played for Scorn reminded me of an H.R. Geiger book. And if you guys don't know, H.R. Geiger is the original artist who created everything for the Alien series. And that uh, that art texture that he creates, he, he was a very strange artist. But uh, that's where my uh, that's where my whole book went when I saw Scorn. Yeah, looks like we had a gameplay trailer um, in 2017 for Scorn. I do not remember so, that. Wow. I didn't either until I just came across the YouTube video. I was, I was prepping for the script today and um, reviewing the Xbox. And I was like, wait, what? What's oh. the game even about? Apparently you're just it's a first person. Um, uh, I mean, you start on the ship. Let's see here. I think I have a description of it. Um, atmospheric first-person horror adventure game. That's it. 
that's quite the uh, explanation there. Yeah, that, that's what they have it labeled as. So we'll see if we get an updated trailer regard uh, that is actual gameplay. Besides what we saw, which is I don't even know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, moving on, we got uh, Second Extinction, which was basically Turok, but not Turok. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you, you're fighting dinosaurs as a first-person shooter, so and you're building, yeah. and you Turok. Uh, oh, yeah. So there's that, and then uh, one that actually looks cool. And for all those that follow along with the either the tabletop or the previous games, uh, Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines Two, which is the Paradox interactive game. Oh, that I didn't see. Uh, yep. Uh, basically, you play as a vampire and you can have abilities. It's very RPG. So can, you can change your character and, uh, you know, uh, follow the story and all that. Uh, there's kind of clan, not clans, um, houses you can be a part of that have different abilities as you as a vampire. Um, for all those that are playing Vampire Master, like, no, that's not how it, I'm trying to do the best I can from memory. So. They called that in. Uh, it was really cool to see those that fall along with the Yakuza games that you are actually getting a Yakuza game yeah, on release for the next gens. So Yakuza Like a Dragon. But uh, I don't know. I've never played the Yakuza's uh, myself. I've watched people play them and they look entertaining. I know a lot of people like playing them. So it was. I, I felt good for those that enjoy those games that you're getting a next gen title for that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it'll be good. The Yakuza yeah. titles have always brought a lot of attention. And then we saw a not gameplay trailer of Valhalla, which besides that looks gorgeous. I still can't wait to play it. But hopefully we'll actually see a real gameplay of what we can expect. From the game very soon from Ubisoft because they they use that to round out the, the conference before they went to talking to all the developers other individual games the one thing that I did hear is Ubisoft came out and said that it's going to be a much smaller game than they've done with the last few so yeah I don't they use the word smaller and I don't know if they mean just overall map size or the stuff the individual things you have to do because up to now there's always been this collection fest that, that has been a part of Assassin's Creed since day one. If you right. wanted a hundred percent that game, you had to just grind out the collection of everything in that game. Um, I personally hoping that they're talking about that part of bringing making it smaller still keeping in the grand stories the worlds to explore itself leave those wide open oh definitely but, i want i want the open world for sure that's, yeah yeah i that's see, one of the I best parts of that but i don't know i i read that article too and i'm, I'm interpreting it that way we'll we'll know when we get more details i know some people were unhappy because they felt like ubisoft was catering to those that complained of <laughs> all the collection that's been happening with the recent Assassin's Creed's and right. We'll see. But, uh, 
besides the games, though, it was our first <laughs> first basically ever conference of a you know game conference game stream that was done you know 100 percent live with people not in studios yeah um right off the bat and they 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 did this perfectly where uh it opened with oh what was his name did i can't find his name but anyway one of the heads of microsoft or xbox excuse me a his background was of the xbox series x but somebody had imposed the xbox x over his fridge and made it look really convincing of a fridge so they're yeah, already playing that in funny. that joke um but besides that everybody was at their home talking to developers that were also at their home because the events that are going on in the world right now um you can see this everybody's still learning how to perform and do these things that we usually would be listening to in person, people in studios at at news desks um, talking about these things. Right. Uh, now they're now they're doing it live stream. So I think the uh, I think the best part about it was, like you said, seeing people in their living rooms and they're using, yeah. you know, earbuds as their mic. Yeah. Yep. And they're not polished. They didn't have all the makeup on. They didn't have all the fancy lights. It was just people being people. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's been the cool part. Uh, and, and then the behind, you know, behind that of like how they're integrating of, you know, how much where we want the gameplay compared to talking with the developers. Um, it, it was a little rough. Like they had the developers towards the end of it. And um, honestly, I kind of tuned out at that point because you know everybody wants to see the gameplay so uh we'll we'll see what happens when microsoft comes back or xbox comes back with their 2020 event in july which is supposed to be the big kahuna of all their first person titles the world exclusive or supposed world premiere exclusive Yeah, supposed to be. Supposed to be. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that was that event. And then not long after that. PlayStation came out and, and showed off more of. Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, which is the T is silent. With the T is silent. Tsushima. Tsushima. Yeah. This is so, a game. This is one of those games that I want to buy a new PlayStation just for. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I think. I don't know if this one's actually an exclusive. I think it's a timed exclusive for PlayStation and PC. Let me see here to confirm. I don't think it was coming uh, out for Xbox. It still says just PlayStation, or maybe I was, I was thinking of a different game. Yeah, because that would that would. It's just PlayStation Four. Okay, I was wrong. Think a different game. So yeah, PlayStation Four exclusive. Uh, right there with you. It's uh, uh 
I would like to get a PlayStation just to play that. And people are like, oh, why, why didn't you get it for God of War or Horizon? Right, I know. Right. Getting there. Yeah, I, this is one of those, with it being an open world. And it's also Samurai. And yeah. I love Samurai. I love Japanese yeah. culture. So yeah. that, uh, plus they've got a lot of different things coming to the game. If they do what they say they're going to do, it's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, apparently, they're supposed to have some type of crafting system. If they do it right, usually the console games crafting systems are not your typical crafting systems. Like people are used to inside PC games for MMOs. Right. Yeah, uh... I've heard a lot of people from the gameplay and I kind of agree with them is um, this looks very what we've now, you know, what we've gotten used to is the Assassin's Creed type system, but this is feudal Japan. And what. uh, What Sucker Punch Studios or production has done with it. uh, So far, looks really good. Looks really good. Uh, It will. We'll see what they can they can do with it because under their belt is um, two main games series. You have the Sly Cooper, Sly One, Two, and Three, and then all the Infamous games. So a little bit of a change here of what they've been used to, um, and it's been a while. The last game was 2014, so. But uh, that's that was what they're working on, and it's open world, so that's really cool. And I, I had to go back and rewatch the gameplay, and I'm liking it. Yeah, the gameplay looked really good. Uh, I'm if it. they if they do the combat well, and I think that's that's just a tough area for these kind of games because it's a third person view. So. If the right. combat systems are right and the crafting is done well, if they have an open world system kind of like Assassin's Creed, I think this game's going to be good. Yeah, agreed. And it all seemed they kept talking like the uh, the crafting system or not the crafting, the combat system where there's two different ways you can play. You can either play as the samurai, Jin the samurai, or Jin the ghost. The ghost of Shishima, uh, where the ghost is very adept at being stealthy, assassinations taken out without anybody hearing you. Whereas the samurai, you come in, you challenge them face on, and have some pretty awesome arrow deflections, sword deflections. My question is how I get from those two different combat systems, personally. Right. Is it a story thing? In game switching? Yeah, is it in game switching? Or do you have to have different armor on to do so? Or is it story based where you start out as the samurai, but by the end of the game, because of it taking place because of the story, you're now the ghost. That's, yeah, I don't that's know. my main like question mark. So. Well, and they so. also did talk about the. Uh, I guess it's going to be Japanese, but it's going to have English subtitle. I thought that was when they when they said that, that was. 
Good on you. A lot of people will enjoy that. Heck, may, I may even start the game playing it that way. I don't know. That would be cool. Because with that, they even have a, I, I think it's what they called a Samurai Cinema mode, uh, where for those that grew up watching the old school movies of feudal Japan or anything based in that black and white, right, is most of them. But you can play the game in just this old school black and white. And that, and you could have uh, Japanese dialogue on top of it. That would actually be that would actually be really cool. Now, if they if you do the old school black and white mode, it would be fantastic. If they would do like an English dubbed, and their mouth would move, and the words would come later, just like the old school <laughs> films did. There you go. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would, that would, uh, that would be really cool. But, uh, yeah, so they're, they're bringing They talked about that in the trailer. Uh, I don't, I don't know how the armor plays into it because they said you can change your armor to really be whatever you want to be more of a samurai looking or a Ronin looking character. But what I didn't understand is if the armor actually plays into your playstyle at all or is it just cosmetic yeah i'm not sure for that it, it would be cool if it did both be absolutely awesome had a cosmetic system that would be awesome yeah or or uh what i'm hoping for is depending on the armor that you equipped changes your combat style to where you can become the have the samurai type combat abilities but if you want to go and be the ghost, you can take off the heavy armor and put on more um, of a fabric based armor so you can be, you know, go in and assassinate a camp without them noticing or anything like that. That would be sweet. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, add a die system, or you can just, you know, another cosmetic where you can change the looks of your armor. And then probably the coolest photo mode. I have seen in any game to date. Uh, in Assassin's Creed, honestly, they, they had some they had a good photo mode there, but this one takes it to the next level. I don't know if you caught it in the trailer. I did not. But they you can you freeze frame where your character freezes in whatever motion he's in and all that all everything on screen freezes, but nature doesn't. What? So your character, let's say you're galloping on a horse and you, you know, your character and horse freezes right mid gallop, but the wind is still blowing. The grass is still moving back and forth. The leaves are still rustling. So it's almost like those animated backgrounds. Uh, some people download for the computers where it's a still image, but they've done stuff to it to kind of make it come alive. Yeah, it's that. That's really cool. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's that's awesome because um, they show different ones where it's you know springtime and and the the blooms are are falling off the trees um past this i think the guy was walking or raising his sword but they were flowing uh and the grass was waving back and forth but he wasn't moving but uh it provided a really good kind of a cinematic photo uh, and i expect us to see some really awesome 
photos start popping up. Um, oh, yeah. I hope there's like an in-game system like they had in Odyssey where you come across and the photos, somebody took the photo and you can see it and vote on it. Yeah, that, uh, mind got votes. But, that piece was pretty cool. Yeah. And I hope they have something like that some, where you can share it. Yeah, people get some crazy photos. Oh, I mean, they're, I mean, they're such good photographers that they know they know the exact angles to get uh, and what to have in the background. We're just it's good. It's good. So that's that's all they talked about in Ghosts of Tsushima. Um, or at least that's all we saw in the trailer. They 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 did talk about some of it. Um, hopefully we'll see more because the release date is july 17th so actually right at two months away we are right yep. at two months away for ghost of tsushima and the hype around it is huge uh, a lot of people are looking forward to it because they're seeing this combat come in um specifically around the samurai type combat where uh it, it's very almost didn't like we have didn't have any combat cues whatsoever in the gameplay i saw yeah it was more like a freestyle yeah freestyle and i hope it's uh much less of like enemies attack you one at a time and you can deflect when you need to or dodge when you need to uh or if you do a perfect parry you can apparently just insta kill them which i thought was so cool so cool but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Sucker Punch continues to bring and show off with that. Because I, I, I expect probably one more trailer to come out, or maybe two, uh, before we hit release in two months. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so yeah, that was our games. That was, was pretty much the wrap of all the games. Yeah. Oh well, I. I didn't put one in the script, but there is one I want to talk about just real quick. New Paper Mario game coming out. I'm super excited. Oh, yes. Yep. The uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King. Yes. I really hope this is a return to RPG roots of like Paper Mario 64 and Thousand Year Door. I saw hits of it in the trailer. And uh it may very well be the first uh, Switch game I buy blind and day one play. But yeah, it's like right around the corner, I think. Also a July yeah. release. July. Uh, Origami King was released. Pretty sure it was July. July 17th. Yeah. Today, so two months. Which is crazy. Now we can uh, now we can move on. I I had to uh, I couldn't contain my excitement about that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and before we talk about film and TV topics, uh, I found okay. that old space game that I used to play back ah. in the day. It okay. Was what was that? What was the name? Wing Commander. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So, you and uh, yeah. That's uh. Ooh. A lot of people are are referencing that, especially when they hear Mark Hamill is in some of the acting in Star Citizen. They keep going back to Wing Commander. 
And funny enough, I just saw a tweet about Wing Commander and some, uh, Mark Hamill in it and some of the other actors. That's funny. So. But yeah. All right, now we can talk about uh, film and TV. Okay. What are we talking about? Scooby-Doo. Oh, Who yeah. Else? So, I, I want to I hear what you and family thought about that movie. <laughs> All right, so Scooby-Doo, I grew up on Scooby-Doo. Um, old 80s version of Scooby-Doo, anyways. So, in fact, my mouse pad that I've had for over 15 years is of Scooby-Doo and Mystery Inc., all the clan. Uh, one of my favorite cartoons of all time. And uh, the live action movies that they did were kind of a bomb for me. They were really kind of disappointing. Um, the kids liked them, but me not so much. So I was kind of excited for this one because it was an origin story of where everything kicked off and started. So for me, I thought the movie started perfectly with um, basically a puppy version of Scooby and a young teenager of Shaggy. So, you know, getting to see where the gang formed, how Shaggy and Scooby met, what they did, where they came from, how they met Velma and Fred and Daphne. Uh, yeah. I think the movie was perfectly met at a good time. And I loved how they took the old school Scooby-Doo intro and turned it into a new age animated version. Fantastically yes. done. Yes. Yeah. Like fantastically they, done. they did what Power Rangers should have done uh, with the remake of that one where they included all the nostalgia at just the right points. Yes. So. But. Uh, I, uh, I completely agree with you that the, the origin of. Uh, should we talk spoilers? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler warning. And where I go, how it talks about the origin of how Shaggy met Scooby. Of course, you, you saw that in the trailers. Um, great start to the movie itself. Uh, and, and my daughter is a, a, addicted to it. I think we're on the 28th watch of that movie. I don't know. I, I lost count. It's just like constant playing and then rewound and played again and then et cetera. <laughs> but, uh, you know, shows them growing up how they met. Uh, slightly different adjustment to what we come to understand where we, you know, you thought they would come together, uh, you know, in late teenagers or so. Uh, and, but I enjoyed it. I really did. They, uh, and they brought in, I didn't they have some big, big actors as part of the voice line. Yeah. I mean, Mark Wahlberg played Falcon. Yep. Uh, yep. Who else uh, was in there? Jason Isaacs. Exactly. Uh, which one was he? He was the bad guy. Ah, yes. Uh, Dick yes. Durkle. Wasn't it Dick Durkle? Yeah, Jason Isaacs was Dick, uh, 
Dick Dastardly. Uh, yes, Dick Dastardly. Yep. It's Jason Isaac. Um, I now know him from Star Trek Discovery. Yes. He's yep. the captain. The captain. Let's see what else in there? Uh, uh, if you didn't know, King, you actually probably know Jason Isaacs from someplace else. Uh, you probably just didn't realize who he was at the time. He's from okay. Harry Potter as well. What? Yep. Yeah, Jason Isaacs. Uh, he plays Malfoy's dad. Oh, duh. <laughs> and I just, I just rewatched the Harry Potter. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's Jason just, Isaacs. He looks like a different dude than with the white hair and the cane and you know the menacing yep. look compared Completely to different. when I watched him with you know Discovery. But, uh, what else? Uh, Zach Efron was Fred. Um, oh, I forgot about Zach Efron. Yep, he was Fred. Will Fort was Shaggy. Be here. And I thought <laughs> I thought Will did a really good job on Shaggy. He did. He did. Um. Uh, Frank Welker was Scooby. And then Another, when I heard him yep. appear in the movie, uh, Trace. Tracy Morgan as oh. Captain Caveman. Yeah, uh, Captain Caveman was fantastic. He's so good as a voice actor. But uh, yeah, I mean, they had they had an uh, amazing lineup of actors um, across the board. And I want them to do a sequel. I already want it. I already yeah. want them to do a sequel to Scooby-Doo. Well, Possibilities are unlimited. Yeah. I mean, it's Scooby-Doo. They've got Scooby-Doo. so much material they could pull from. Right. And this one, this one was, uh, I would say the second big movie that we have actually now rented slash bought as part of this watch from home theater that they've had to do because of COVID. Uh, because they're not, you know, they're not releasing movies in theaters because nobody can go watch them. Right. So you can sit at home and rent them for 20 bucks. Which like I'm renting a movie for 20 bucks. Yes. But think about it. If you go to movie theater, you're paying more for that for two people. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a family, you're already coming out better. Um, I, we, talk about this with this and depending on how well these movies do with this new format of watching movies we may see movie theaters in 10 20 years go the way of drive-ins very well could see that yep You, you won't have as many as you see like I mean, in, in the metro area of the state I'm in and where I'm at, I have five, ten movie theaters that you could go to within a, a decent driving distance. Like, let's say about 45 minute driving distance. But yeah, you can see those window down to just one. There's one big one. If you want to experience the, the movie theater experience, just like we say, experience the drive-in experience right now 
we can see that happen. Yeah, I think people enjoy the experience of getting to watch in their theater. And there's there's always that pull to go to a theater, but since you can't, uh, I think with the streaming technology that we've got nowadays, you know, the, just the different platforms out there, I think we'll see more of it even when we do come off of this lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, just it's a wild idea that the movie is not releasing to theaters. I can just go in there and go, okay, rent uh, the movie and I can enjoy the, the food from my house. I don't have to pay for <laughs> all, all the movie theater popcorns. No movie uh, theater popcorn. So it's so good. Right. 1350 for a Coke. <laughs> right. <laughs> pay twice as much for your food than you do actually uh for tickets but uh of course that's where they make their money uh regarding that though is because the uh makers of the movies are moving to these platforms and sending it to places like voodoo or other streaming services they're getting a better they're getting a better cut than what the movie theaters would give them oh absolutely so they're already making more and, you know, money. If they make money for it, it they would be they would be uh, stupid not to continue with it. A- as a service. So we're seeing uh, what was it? Trolls World Tour. Did phenomenally well. Or not releasing in theaters and going the exact same route, uh, you know, stream from home, home theater where you can't buy it, but you can rent it. Or right. I think it's voodoo is like two days or so. Um, and that's another thing. You, you, you rent it. It's not just a one time watch. You know, you have people that miss it. Oh, they can come back, you know, catch it later in the day. Is it still available on your stream service? So. Yeah, and I think that's the best part about it is a lot of the services that we had before all this lockdown. You could rent a movie, but say it was only for 24 hours. Well, hey, I rented it, but uh, you know we fell asleep, and now we got to restart it. Oh crap! We've only got like two hours left of the movie. So, right. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely see this become a thing. Yeah, and I I know there's going to be people resistant to it, and there's people resistant to the drive-in theaters going the way they did. Um, but if the money's there and it's making money for the people that make the movies gonna happen it's gonna happen and we will see the movie theaters you know kind of fade away as people just i'm I'm gonna stay home and rent it you know they just they just released it to the the streaming platforms i'm gonna go home and rent it so well i mean how do you think we started with the whole box rents i mean we we went from a physical brick and mortar store to renting movies and then we ended up having things like red box come out and now we've yep. got the digital online service. And, you know, we've still got Redbox around. And people still go to them. I, I've gone to them every once in a while. Um, yeah. I think there's still one blockbuster left up in Ohio somewhere. It's yeah. a they, phenomenal. They, they refuse. Yes, privately owned. And I think they just, out of history and holding on to the blockbuster, that's the, that's the one reason why they're still open. It's basically a museum. Basically. <laughs> 
I think you can still rent stuff in there, though. I think they still yeah. allow you to come in and get stuff and everything like that. But besides that, is it is a museum for every other fact. Yeah. But I mean, you know, 10 years ago, 15, however long we've seen kind of the digital streaming age come in. I don't remember when the real last big push was when it first started. But I mean, we saw the brick and mortar stores goes away, except for things like the theaters. Yep. But we may be on a new era of the digital streaming platforms really taking over from that standpoint too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but regarding Scooby-Doo, I would give this you have family members part, or even if you've just gone and like I did, I grew up on Scooby-Doo. Um, I watched so many of the videos, the VHSs that I had. Uh, it is well worth it. Well, well worth it to, to rent it. Family, sit down and watch it. Uh, especially if you have kids that haven't watched any of the original Scooby-Doo's. This, as a feature length, two hour-ish. I think it's maybe a little bit under two hours. It's a great movie. Yeah. Nine out of ten for me. Nine out of ten? Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'd give Nine it a two. Um, that was Scooby-Doo recommend it go watch it rent it actually you can buy it I that's what we did because we were able to uh, apparently they worked out a deal where you could just buy it instead of renting it um, even on its release day so that was pretty cool that they did that yeah we've already we've already purchased it yep. um, so yeah Moving on to tech. As we mentioned, Epic Games has released and showed off their tech demo of Unreal Engine 5. Which, if you guys didn't know what that is, that is the gaming engine that powers a good portion of the top video games currently in use right now. Unreal and it's one renowned for its graphics. Yeah. Yeah, Unreal is used for pretty much everything, it seems. Yep. Um, the, the tech demo they showed off was, was just phenomenal. At some points, I forgot I was watching a video game and thought it was a movie I was watching. There were some scenes, especially with the lighting, and yeah. some of the opening scenes when she is walking through that cave area, the rocks, you couldn't tell if it was real dirt or graphically made. Yeah. Yeah. And there'd be several parts where physics would take in place and uh, like there'd be a, a disturbance of the environment and the environment would perfectly act in accordance to what it needed to be to your character's movement. Uh, so in, in some engines, those are limited. Like you, when you jump on a cliff, you don't see uh, rocks start falling away or uh, you don't see dust be kicked up in a shadow made from it. This, it, it matched it at every turn. Every turn. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a good call out because uh, even though we've got some amazing looking games on the Xbox One 
and PS4 and even PC now, the the graphics that we've got are terrible. They're yeah. uh, they're they're very well. Yeah. They're very well made. Um, yep. What we saw was on a whole new level. Um, right. And it, it's not. I mean, people have gone out of the way to make really gorgeous games. And this one was a gorgeous you know, tech demo, which is actually a fully playable demo um, that you'll be able to get uh, and download to play. But it was about the ease of the engine to accomplish that. Right. Because I've heard some people call out that um, the next gens, you know, some people aren't excited. Not they're not. Uh, not excited they're just like okay yeah cool the next gen of consoles um it usually will see you know just great jump in graphical fidelity as we go generation to generation look what this console can do look what this console can do um and it's easy to advertise on that but now we're getting into the nitty-gritty the really nitpicking of graphical fidelity the ray tracing the physics of hey watch when I throw this pebble, it's going to hit another pebble and it's going to hit another and it's going to continue on or watch the wind perfectly hit this grass over here. Yeah. A little bit harder to trailize, but um, what I saw in that is not necessarily the ceiling being raised, but the ease of developers to get to the current ceiling with this new engine. Without much work. Yeah, that's a good call out. I think the, uh, I think the best part about it is, like you said, there's just this ease of effort that's going to be part of it. Yeah. Not really, not really replacing this whole idea of, like you said, there's a graphic fidelity and making it just a, a, an easier process for all these makers to be able to get in and use this technology, making their games look better, bringing new things to the table. So I think it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing it was, it was interesting to note that this was an Epic games talking about it, but they were and confirmed the tech demo was being played on a PS five, which for one super cool that we're seeing the power of the next gen showing off this un, this this uh next next generation gaming engine game creation engine um and, and physics engine with that but what was left out is it's interesting epic partnering with playstation nothing against them but usually when you show off the engine you want to say this is going to be for everyone right so um, that was uh, oddity there because nothing was mentioned about PC or Xbox, which I'm sure there might have been a, a check or two mentioned from PlayStation to Epic to say, hey, put that off on our console. <laughs> you know, let, let's, let's talk, right? Not like Epic doesn't have enough money. Uh, Epic, it, it still surprises me with the way that company has come about really has yeah but uh I, I mean look at fortnite they make gobs of cash off that game 
Yeah. But. Yep. Um, but also, uh, they, uh, this got me thinking of like, what, what is the history of Unreal, the Unreal Engine itself? Uh, like, where did it start? What were the games it was put into? And I have to say, I was kind of surprised at some of the games. Uh, I didn't realize how many use the Unreal Engine. Um, you have Unreal 1 in games like the original Deus Ex. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, going back and watching the, both the tech demo and the gameplay of those games. Oof. Uh, Painful. <laughs> it's, Painful. It was rough. Yeah. If you love some polygons, go back and watch them. With that said, though, they that's pretty good. Um, you, uh, apparently, it was used in games like Harry, the first Harry Potter game based off the movie, Dude Nukem Forever. Uh, and you can see improvements through each one as, as the engine got older and people got used to using it. Then you got to Unreal Engine 2. Uh, I didn't know this, but apparently it was used in Bioshock 1 and 2 and Republic Commandos. Yeah, that I didn't know. Yeah. Um, apparently also in this first Tom Clancy Splinter Cell. So we're starting to, you know, see the improvement with those. And then we got to Unreal Engine 3. And uh, I didn't know it was used in Mass Effect. Didn't know. It was War. Bat, like all the Batman games used Unreal. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Yep, Mortal Kombat. Uh, to this date, uh, from 2011 on, they used Unreal. Bioshock Infinite. They used the next the next gen of Unreal Three, XCOM Two. Uh, up to this point, you can start to see how flexible this game engine is uh, across the board of what people can do with it. Whereas, if you've read the articles about Anthem. And their frostbite engine. It's not. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped into my head was I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. OK, you're playing a cop, your fighter game, a, a top down third person game of. A, a open world, you know, Batman game or right. third person. You know. The only thing not in here is like an RTS Unreal yet. Yeah. Try to find it yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny you mentioned frostbite. You know, when you say frostbite, you think of engines or you think of games like Division and Division 2 because they use frostbite. Oh, really? Yeah, the Division games use frostbite. So, kind of like the big AAA first person shooter. But that's about the only thing I've ever seen frostbite in. It's not, yeah, definitely not got the diversity that Unreal does. Or, or yeah, or the ability to diversify itself. Because um, that was one of the headaches of Anthem. That big article that came out about why Anthem released the way it was is the developers. Yes, there was developers within side Bioware and EA that knew the finessing of Frostbite that you had to do to make it your own. but handing it off to this team creating Anthem. They didn't know. And to do it, to, to try to get it to where they wanted 
anthem to be was painstaking from from the comments we we heard and and were released about what they had to go through with frostbite whereas it looks like nobody has that problem with unreal nobody yeah unreal seems to be pretty friendly when it comes to just integrating with everything well you also think about um i still to this day cannot when i see epic games i think fortnite but absolutely they they have it's their engine right and they take royalty on games for games companies to use the engine uh with that said they did something really cool in that they're allowing developers to use the unreal engine free of charge up till your game makes over a million dollars wow yeah that, that's huge that'll, that'll bring in a lot of developers start using that engine. like oh, i'm not gonna pay royalties for right. your engine when i go here and get this really good one for free yeah i mean if you go to epic game store you can actually download the unreal engine itself you can mm-hmm. go inside the unreal engine and you can just play around and begin creating things in it yeah so, I mean, you've probably seen the what the Legend of Zelda remakes in Unreal. Oh yeah, yeah. And they don't look bad; they look freaking amazing. Yeah, I mean, you you see recreations of worlds of Orcarina of Time and Unreal Engine. Oh, good, so good. That's the potential of it. Um, Kit, there's there's a couple of their games that I've seen remade in Unreal. I mean, you can go out there and you can see them numerous on YouTube's where they've recreated environments, worlds in Unreal, the latest Unreal, Unreal 4. Because Unreal 5 doesn't hit till 21? 21st? I think it's 21st, yeah. right? Yeah, 2021, I think, is when they'll, they'll release to developers. Uh, oh, yeah, I said 21st, but 2021. <laughs> yeah, you know, the 21st year of the. <laughs> yeah. 21st century. Yeah, 2021. I'm looking back at these screenshots and it looks like I'm 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 legitimately looking at a movie. Or yeah, going they, through a cave. What they did was bonkers. The lighting. Wow. I think the biggest thing that really caught my eye out, outside of the textures and the just the whole system itself was the lighting yeah. as she moved lighting yeah, it, reflected off of clothing and materials oh my god i mean we can also see if this engine is good i mean there was a full tech demo so they were showing off that yeah it's this good we could very well start to see movies start utilizing this engine to create their environments. Yeah. And so movies can be made cheaper without a whole lot of graphical. Um, like you have to create the world, but the engine does a lot of the work for you. That yeah, was I one we'll, big talk that they mentioned about. I think we'll see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, they, 
see was Ooh. yeah they'll have some games can be migrated to uh, Unreal Engine 5 and mid one uh, developers will be able to preview in early 2020 with full release in late 2021 nice so uh, that's cool so with that it'll you know another year before we even start seeing gameplay being created with that engine of games so we still uh, we'll see a lot of Unreal 4s come out and it's being optimized still. So they're not they don't give up on the previous engine because there's still games running on it. So they already talked about updates hitting for Unreal 4. But you have a lot of modern games using it right now. You have uh, uh, the Gears of Wars. Yeah, the current Gears of Wars using Unreal 4 player unknown battleground Injustice, Hellblade and. Uh, just a huge shocker here, Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> uses Unreal 4. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts, Darksiders, and Sea of Thieves. So The Sea of Thieves, I did not realize, but that's cool. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was looking up, uh, looking through all the different games and saw that one. I was like, oh, awesome. And again, Unreal Engine is used for a ship sailing pirate game. Okay. <laughs> pretty much the most diverse gaming engine ever yeah really i mean you you really don't hear negatives about the mm-hmm. unreal engine at all at least no, not that i, I found that's cool but uh yeah that was nice little show off of, absolutely absolutely we'll show off of a tech demo there uh on Action console. So it was exciting to get confirmation that they'll be able to handle that come come launch and when we finally get games for it in Unreal 5. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, with our wrap-up of tech and our film reviews and all the different things for games, I can tell you we are super excited for this next gen launch and what's coming. It's going to be a game changer for the game industry and even other industries around. So I know I'm excited. Victus is excited. I'm excited. I hope you guys are as well. But with that, I just want to say a big thank you to all our listeners. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, We love you guys. Hang in there. Keep stepping through all the craziness we've got going on. And I hope you guys are doing well wherever you're at. Absolutely. Really appreciate the support. Um, you guys listening to our content, enjoying our content. Uh, we're just a couple of geeks that like to talk about games, TV, movies, and everything in between. So, uh, and thank you. And I hope you all are staying safe wherever you are in the world and listening. And if you did enjoy this episode, which I hope you do. You can be sure to subscribe to the All Things Geekery podcast with any of your favorite podcasting apps and drop us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Reviews do help the podcast grow. Absolutely, they do. And you guys can also find us out on our social media accounts. Twitter being our main account. You can find me out there at xdetachedx. You can find Victus at VictusATG. 
And you can also swing by and stop and check out our Twitter account for the podcast. And that is at the ATG cast. Absolutely. Look forward to chatting with you out there. And if you're looking for gaming content, you can come over to my Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash Victus ATG, where I stream currently Terraria and Minecraft, but also will include many other variety of games. And those stream times are every weekday starting at 8.30 Central Standard Time. Yeah, we'll have, make sure we have all of the links in our description below. But with that, that wraps up this podcast. So as always, you guys stay awesome. And we will see you in the next episode.